ask. What are the odds, right? What are the odds? Well, that's why we're here to answer those questions. Answer the question. We don't care if you win or lose the game. I don't care. Just cover the spread. Now here's Aton Shander. You better believe it. We got value tonight. A ton of things before we break for the week. And it's always difficult when you're surrounding a major event, on or off the floor, doesn't matter. And in this case, it's the NBA trade deadline, so we have you covered tonight. I promise you. We're going to merge everything as much as we possibly can in this first hour. There's a lot of action in college basketball. There is some value as well. There's also something to look at in the NBA pre, of course, Thursday night, where all of us here in Philadelphia are prepared to be even further disappointed with our Philadelphia 76ers. And from the big board to the top three, we'll actually see the graduation of one Hunter Brody at Broads 81, who is our NHL insider, expert picker. But... Before all of that, Kurt Heelan's going to join us in 20 minutes. And to look ahead on top of just the trade deadline, what could be? Pacers in Toronto. Celtics are down basically everybody but Jason Tatum tonight. Also, you have this huge deal that already went down. And then, oh, by the way, since Denver is one of those teams taking on the Jazz in Utah, we can focus on that and... With Kurt out in L.A., a team like the Lakers, he has his eyes on the most, or at least in front of the most, would be the Clippers, and they host the Heat. 7 o'clock, back with Matt Peralt. We took the week off last week because of the Super Bowl. He's all over the place. I was listening to his show earlier, Pushing the Odds. Not what are the odds, that's here. He's pushing the odds. They got the Golden Arches, we got the Golden Arcs. That's the difference. But... I'm going to throw a ton of stuff at him and see what stung him the most in the Super Bowl because he's always throwing crazy things out there, and I'm curious what crazy stuff hit. And then once we wrap that up, from college to the NBA and even some futures with the XFL, and yes, the Dallas futures are in. But let's begin in college basketball. Let's begin in a world... Oh, there's also something, too, with the technical standpoint. And look, I don't know what it is. If you're watching on Twitch, you're watching this. This is now three straight nights. And I don't know if I'm allergic to Sean Brace, which I I hope not. Because it can't be. Because Sean's not here. Rob's here Monday night. So I don't know, maybe there's something in the studio, and it can't be Joe Tanzi because he's only here one night a week. So let's rule out a human being. I can't be allergic to a human being by any means. Brace is here Tuesday and Wednesday before me on the Daily Ticket. The Daily Ticket is broadcast out of Bet Rivers on Monday, so Rob's running the board, and Sean is on location. So there you go. There's a conflict right there. It has to be somebody consistent because for three straight nights, I've began the show sneezing. And if you've been following the show and Hunter Brody's been in studio, that's not the norm. It's not like every single time I start the show, he's got some sort of sneezing thing. The guy's sneezing in the middle of July. The hell's wrong with him? No, it's not like that at all. It's this week. There's something going on in this studio that is just grabbing me. But let's begin, of course... In the world of college basketball. 
No matter the sport, no matter the season, we've got you covered. From the data to the drama, it all factors into our top three bets of the night. I have to credit Joe Tanzi. I feel like he gets a lot of credit when we start talking about college basketball because he put me on to this one here. And it's a good one. This one comes from the opposite ends. And remind me, don't worry, it's rhetorical. We'll bring up the T-Mac tease with Matt Peralt. But this one I'm going to dub the Tansy tease. And look, he can't take any blame for it. He can only be credited for it. He doesn't even know I'm doing this. He knows I'm taking the bet. I told him I'm taking the bet. He knows that we're rolling out here on what are the odds with this thing. But I want to make sure that while I'm doing this, you're not out there blaming him if, in fact, this thing busts. But I get a text from him earlier, and this is a bizarre night in college basketball where it's all over the place, right? Get a text from Tanzine and says, there are some crazy over-under discrepancy, if you will, in college tonight. There is crazy discrepancy. And I looked at the text, and it is with Virginia on one end and Houston Baptist on the other end. So the initial text is, I just want to pull it up, the totals of 107.5 and 169 on the board tonight. Think about how crazy that is right there. The wide range of what you would find in college basketball. So I look at it and thought, all right, well, Virginia, here you go, at 107.5. Knowing that that Virginia game is always going to be a low-scoring affair. But how low scoring can you get? How much can you really take advantage of a low number? It's at 106.5 right now as they host Clemson. Well, the other game, and this is the crazy one, because how in the world could you get a total where I saw it at DraftKings when I actually went to place this teaser at 170.5? So this was the Tansy teaser tonight. That we dub only if it works. If it loses, then you tweet me at Shander Show. You hit me up on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Shander Show. You crush me any way you want. I'll take the full brunt of this one. If it hits, he's the one who brought it to my attention. We credit him for planting the bug for the inception move in our ear. So I teased it and then went opposite. Brought that Virginia total down to 101.5 and went over and brought that absurd total of 170.5, Houston Baptist at Southeastern Louisiana. I brought it up to 175.5 and went under. All, mind you, those two still get you in the positive. I finished at plus 127 on that teaser. Both heavy around 2-1 to one in the negative. Both where you're laying 2-1. to one. Virginia opened up that 101.5 at least at minus 210. And today, when I, oh, I say opened it up, when I opened up the app, not when this thing initially. And the other game at minus 186. Both at plus 127 with the two team teaser. It's a theme tonight. We'll do that. We'll look at that more so as a theme tonight because 
you have two games from a total standpoint on the complete opposite end. And I think while you can look at where these things are before the teaser and clearly justify, especially seeing where the money's going and this thing at 101.5 has already moved, but that's going to be that bigger indicator. Because what was, look at it, it's, just, it's 106.5 now. So it was similar to that. It's fluctuated, if you will. But now at 101.5, where I can get it down on a teaser, I feel like I can get 102 points. As bad as this game might look, free throws at the end, a couple of easy baskets. Watch, both of these games will hint around the teaser way more than they will around the initial number that closes, the initial total that closes. These two games will hover around 101.5 and 175.5. Make no mistake. That's not an extra bet or anything like that, but that's just what I thought. That's just kind of how I felt right now. So I took as much liberty as I could with these two opposite ends. And I don't know, maybe we can do this. We can have fun with this and do it like three nights in a row and see how that works in college. And college is the easier one to do it. The NBA is way too unpredictable. Speaking of which, they couldn't do nine at home against San Antonio. It was a in-game play for the ages because at one point you actually got the Clippers minus a half point in-game hosting the Spurs. But if, like me and other idiots out there, you thought nine, nine and a half, that's doable, that's attainable. Against San Antonio, we can make that happen. Well, what are the odds that that thing would get blown out of the water? Aton Shander, Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance, at Shander Show, twitch.tv slash Shander Show. can listen on the app as well. That's one thing that I don't understand. The jump that people are willing to take right now to where you're going to go and say, this team struggling to close out any type of close line six to eight points at home because of what happened at San, against San Antonio. Now, it's not about who's sitting so much as we know that there's going to be an issue with Paul George's health tonight, if you will. But it's more about, and I don't. it's not so much as far as he's not going to play. He's playing. He played against the Spurs. But... This is a game where, against Miami, there is no playing down. And that's where you're actually, maybe it's just me, playing off of what people saw last time. A team in San Antonio who they should have handled by 13, 14 points. They couldn't. They were down at some point in the third quarter, tied in the third quarter. And this is a reactionary line, I think, where people are going to say, oh, see, even the books, they don't believe it. Even the books, there's no hype there. Come on, look at this. They'll even tell you that there is nothing formidable in L.A. at home that the Miami Heat can't plow through. Well, not so much. And that line is really close. So it's not often that you would see a loss like the Clippers suffered the last time they were at home, which is their previous game against the Spurs. And it's not a loss, I'm saying, as far as a loss against the spread. Let me clarify here, right? We don't care if you win or lose, just cover the spread. And damn it, they did not cover that pregame line. 
in game, if you got him down low, then you you were fine, and hopefully you jumped in like I did just to salvage. But outside of the big board, and we'll kind of go through that with Kurt Heelan as well. That hip, Heat Clippers game, before you lose any more, and it bumps up to seven, seven and a half, I think six and a half is definitely decent for me to jump in there and say, I'm good. Definitely one to where I can confidently take that line and know that Miami is going to be close at one point, and this thing is not going to be an easy victory. But pulling away against Miami, a team that's going to fight you hard and command the best from you versus struggling to maintain interest, home crowd or not, against the Spurs, that's a pretty big difference. Now, before we get into this crazy story, and I say crazy because we're still at this point where technology has not caught up to our love, has not caught up to our passion, and usually it's the other way around. Usually... Whatever we're doing, technology either aids us to move forward or it's so far ahead that it allows us to see things in a new and different way. But the third bet of the night belongs to our friend Hunter Brody. What's up, Aton? Only two games on the NHL schedule tonight. So what I'm going to do is parlay the two squads that I think are going to win. I'm going to stick with both favorites. So what I'm going to take is the Toronto Maple Leafs on the money line at 137 on the road against the New York Rangers and parlay that with the Boston Bruins on the road against the Chicago Blackhawks. So when you parlay them together, you will get the odds at plus 184. I need a big night. Last night, I went 1-2. and two. I was very close to going 2-1, and one, but of course, the Dallas Stars lose in overtime, and that totally hurt me. That was a bad, bad night for me when it comes to losing some money. So I got to bounce back here. I'm going with both favorites, and I'm going to parlay them together. All right. Two games. I imagine a lot of people are interested in that as well, Hunter. Some form of parlay looking at... Some way to capitalize on both results. And then you know, and this is just the nature of it, right? The likelihood of the two favorites covering on a light night. If you really want to go down that road. Feels like an upset night, doesn't it? Feels like it's one where you'd want the books to do what they can to break even, if not collect a little more. People would be heavy, right? Heavy on that otherwise. Look at that. A nice shout-out to Joe on Twitter. At least now, hopefully, he feels a little better about handing me stuff. Because I bet it. I run with it, man. Make no mistake. Kurt Heelan's going to join us at 6.30, but there is a story that came out that directly impacts what we're doing. And while the XFL won't be as heavily watched as the NFL, it won't be as heavily bet on as the NBA... There is something happening this year with the broadcasts that is not far along or away, I would imagine, from happening in the big broadcasts, especially with the NFL. In Vegas, legalized sports gambling continuing to happen around the country. You saw the ridiculous amount of numbers that come in. Pennsylvania bringing in over a billion, nearly $2 billion, one and a half, I think it is. It's absurd how much money is being brought in due to sports gambling. And what we saw in the Super Bowl, especially the legal stuff, it begs the question why this hasn't been passed federally. I wish there was something like medicinal purpose you could apply to sports betting. 
I wish there was some sort of therapeutic way that you could pass it, like medicinal marijuana. Because as we know, medicinal marijuana has an immense amount of positive purposes, but there are plenty of us, notice the pronoun, who are abusing it as much as people can. So I, I wish there was some sort of end around here in which you could get a card that said no matter where you travel, no matter what state you're in, it's okay to have money placed in an app. And it can be one universal app, one federal app that's recognized to place bets. It's legal. It's all in this country. But it's for medicinal purposes. Now, that's not what the XFL's doing, although I wouldn't put it past them. What they are doing in the broadcast, ESPN and ABC, they're going to have betting lines. They're going to have this thing called a score bug for all XFL broadcasts, and it will feature the two most popular football bets, which we know are the point spread in total. There'll be additional elements of the game, like the game clock, the down, the distance, and the timeouts remaining, but you're going to see in-game shifts of both the actual point spread and the total. Great idea. Love it. think it's a fantastic idea. But there are problems that we still run into, and that's the delay. Nothing demands more of a sense of immediacy than the live betting. There is nothing that you need more. That's why a lot of these apps that you can live bet have their own game cast, have their own ability where you can watch and follow along with what's happening on the game. And some are more detailed than others. Hell, FanDuel has one where you can basically watch soccer. You can watch tennis. Depending on the actual event, you can watch this stuff as you live bet it. And that might come in a little bit on a delay. And I guess you're right. Everything at some point comes in on a delay, but not really where the books are coming from. So while this is a fantastic idea, and I don't want to sound like I'm downplaying it or I want it to go away, we have to understand that we're dealing with an imbalance of immediacy versus technology and the delay. And I'll give you an example I brought up earlier today, which is I'm a cord cutter, right? So I'm watching on YouTube TV already on a delay on an app on a channel that is already through a delay. So I might be four, four and a half seconds back, depending on what app I'm watching TV or the event through. I might be a full four seconds back. So there are times in which I'm on live. Like right now, we're on live coming up at 7 o'clock. There'll be some live action. But here I'm in studio, and we have the thing running closer to live. But even still, it's on a little bit of a delay through the cable box. So I'm on live nationally on the weekend, and that's during stuff. And I have a producer on my ear, especially if there's like a Houston-related thing happening, because that's where the show originates out of. And they're all over. Whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't see that yet. I didn't see. And I sometimes have to wait four seconds. The difference between four seconds is the difference between something getting taken off the board. Is the difference between your bet not going through. Is the difference between odds flipping and you losing that edge that you can only get in game. And that's a problem, is it not? That's an issue. That's something that I don't know how you fix unless you completely move away from it. Or if you're the XFL, instead of, and look, I hate to just bash without offering a solution, right? So if you're the XFL, I think what you do is maybe you offer a 
social media component or something like that. A live betting show. Ooh, that's a good idea. How can we get in touch with the XFL? I'm a stockholder, damn it. Come on, I know Hunter at least is out there listening. I don't know who the hell else is out there. Hunter at least has a platform on YouTube. That's all I need to do is connect somebody at WWE. I think I actually have somebody I know of. And we can do a live in-game betting show. Because that's going to be the best, where you're streaming something. And even then, I guess you're always going to have to deal with some sort of delay. But you take it away from the TV broadcast. Our stream, there's going to be less of a delay. There has to be a way in which you can catch up to this thing. There has to be a way in which you can catch up to technology and not sit there and say, Oh, wow, look at this. I'm watching New York take on Dallas, and that over-under has shifted from 70.5 to 66.5. Let me jump in there and bet it. And then you lose. You either lose juice or you lose that number. Because you're four minutes behind. And countless amount of people have already jumped in. Clippers heat is a big one tonight, but you'll have to wait a little bit to get there. We'll see what Kurt Heelan has to say. What are the odds? Heelan says, yes, young man. Take the Clippers. Take them at minus six and a half. No, don't be afraid of that number. This is not nine, nine and a half against San Antonio. Take them against Miami. Well, we'll work the big board with Kurt Heelan next. What are the odds? Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Show. No sleep till! A hypothetical here for Kurt Heelan is going to join us on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline. Dr. Glatt regrows your hair, of course. Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor. And Kurt, you can follow him at Basketball Talk. All things for the NBA. Lead writer, editor, NBCSports.com. It's crazy and I, I don't I know I know the biggest thing is what happened the last time you and I have spoke on the air is Kobe Bryant and clearly you're right there in LA covering the Lakers and Clippers and all but I, I did not want to start with that and maybe even end with that if that's okay just because there's a lot of things happening in front of us like the trade deadline as well but let me start with this hypothetical, okay? And, and first and foremost, my friend, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. And I know that on the eve of the trade deadline going down, it's insane. But let's start here. What's more likely to happen? And remember, this is a sports betting show on iHeartRadio. What are the odds? So we always look at it from a betting angle. And sometimes we even create our own hypotheticals. In this case, I am. What's more likely to happen? Pete Rose gets reinstated into baseball and is inducted into the Hall of Fame at some point before he dies or Zion wins Rookie of the Year? I'm going to go with Pete Rose. Zion's not winning Rookie of the Year. So I, I don't think the odds on Pete Rose seem particularly good. But uh, This is like a slim call right here. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I... I as well as Zion is playing, by the way, and he's putting up just ridiculous numbers, and, and he's fitting in really well. 
The problem is this. He's just not going to play enough games. And this isn't – remember, what was this, uh, four or five years ago with the Joel Embiid thing, right, where Joel Embiid only played 31 games and it became a real, like, look, he's the best player and it's not close, but did he contribute enough when you've got Malcolm Brogdon playing in a lot of games on a good team? And it, it became a real debate. What he didn't have to go up against is John Morant. <laughs> John Morant Great point. away with this thing, man. That's the, that's the real difference. It's not that Zion isn't playing well. It's that Jaws also playing. John Morant's just become a must-watch kind of guy. He's leading that team. They look like they are going to get the eight seed. Or they're, well, they are Portland. Portland's coming on strong because that um, turns out that Damian Lillard guy is still good at basketball. So, I mean, like, they're coming on. But, like, they're, he's got them in the playoff mix. They're... I don't see how Zion catches him. I'm not even sure if he catches Kendrick Nunn for a second. Yeah, that's we'll a great point. That Underrated out. point, Kurt. Yeah, so we'll see, we'll see how it shakes out. But he's he's in the mix. Uh, I, I don't like really particularly. I mean, honestly, is there an is there a MLB commissioner who's going to be like the guy who goes, yeah, you know what, everybody else was wrong. Pete Rose, let's go. Well, you want to talk about hanging your hat on a mark of progressiveness or progressivism, whatever the hell the, the proper term would be, that would be it. And then, I don't know, Rob Manford doesn't seem like the guy because he's dealing with a bunch of other stuff, all the resistance with rule changes and advancing the game. It would be like the pork bill, right, where you just tack on some sort of pay yeah. raise for Congress at the end of it. Exactly. Well, by the way, we're just throwing this in there. Yeah, it's... He's got a few other things on his plate right now, including uh, half of Boston up in arms. So, Right. Off the pay dump with Mookie Betts. All right. So let's. you mentioned the Sixers, and I get it that it's actually a deeper East than I think people thought ahead of time yeah. simply because of the departure of Kawhi Leonard. But are the Sixers, I think they are, but I, I, you count more here. Are the Sixers the most disappointing team right now, one through eight, on either conference? Ooh, I don't know. Uh, well, uh, we, God, there was an early season question we talked a lot about, and there was you know, certain teams like, it's, it's not fair to say Golden State's disappointing, right? No, you, you have to be currently one through eight in either the conference. So, like, Portland, yeah, unfortunately, is out of it. Like, we could say Portland, right, but they're out of it right now because technically Memphis yeah. has them by it. And then same thing no, with think, Orlando. Think of the te- uh, you're right. Of, of the playoff-bound teams, I think that they're the most disappointing where you just didn't – I mean, look, I picked them to come out of the East. I thought that they'd be a little slow to start, but they'd figure out the offense – the defense was going to be great, and when everything came around, this was going to be a force of nature, and it turns out, um, yeah, not so much. Like the offense is still kind of a mess. The defense isn't consistent. Uh, the, 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 the infighting has started. The little sniping has started, which is always a good sign. Um, and, I, you know, I, I, I'm curious if they're going to try something as a trade deadline. You know, we talked about it. You and I talked about it. I talked about it with other people. There's not a really good logical, like, oh, if they just do this. This will solve problems, and especially with Covington off the board. I'm not sure what, you know, I mean, Jay Crowder or something, there's some guys out there, but I'm not sure what they do that really makes them dramatically better. But might you do something just to shake it up at this point? Like, might you just need to shake it up? Um, And then if that doesn't do it, then, you know, well, um, make sure that somebody's paying Brett Brown's moving expenses. But I, I I feel like he could be in trouble this summer. But I don't think you do. I don't think you... At this point in the season, you can't can the coach. like That That creates too much chaos. No, you're not going to fire Brett Brown before the season's end. He's earned that through the process and all the mud attached to his record. But 
This goes back to, and I can't believe people are even doing this locally in Philadelphia. Thank goodness this station is not. But people are still entertaining idiot phone calls about whether or not they should trade Simmons or trade Embiid. You know how this league works, Kurt. This is what's going to happen. And you tell me where I get this thing wrong. But at the end of the year, Brett Brown's going to be fired. They're going to look around. The best they can do is someone like Stan Van Gundy. Two or three years down the line, they're going to realize, if that, they're going to realize that Embiid Embiid and Simmons finally can't coexist. But at that point, Joel Embiid's body and conditioning won't be any better. It'll be worse. So the team will almost be default Ben Simmons, and Embiid will kind of be like a step back. And then we'll look back at the conversation we're having now and say, yeah, no wonder why they didn't trade either one of these guys, because Simmons is going to be around for 10 years, and Embiid might be around for four. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I hope Embiid's around longer than that. We'll see. But I mean, but the basic premise of what you're saying is spot on, which is the hardest thing to get. The hardest thing to get is elite talent, and those uh, these are two All NBA level players. I mean, uh, they're both you know All Star, All NBA elite guys. Those are the hard guys to get. <laughs> that's that's the hard thing. So you don't break them up until until you have no choice. Because if you trade either one of them right now, you simply don't get equal value back. Um, and right now, today, I think Embiid's the better player, but you're right. In three years, is that the case? Eh, who knows? Probably not. Maybe we'll see. But Well, here's what... Let me just say this. Out and, then, and then you're right. In a year and a half or so, they're suddenly like, all right, now what? What I'm predicating this on is it's not like I don't see Joel Embiid's conditioning getting any better. I think this is who Joel no. Embiid is. Sorry, this is who Joel Embiid is. Hall of Fame talent. His conditioning is not getting any better. It doesn't mean that he's going to get worse. It just means, like, this is who he is at his best. A guy that you're lucky to get a full-on condition from. He's not going to turn into some health nut and prolong his career. And his body takes a lot of hits. But you could probably get a good three, four, five-year window out of some pretty top talent. Yeah, exactly. And... and you have to be kind of a special five right now, and and he's put what he brings. He he, he brings the not only can he post a guy up, and you can still get some points that way, but his passing, his defense, his ability to shoot the three. If you can't do those kind of things right now, then you're Andre Drummond, you know, and and it's it's wow, it's not enough anymore. Uh, you've, and so you've got to take advantage of this while you can with him. Um, I'm just not sure how they get there. I'm not sure. That they, this, you can't run a Simmons and Bead pick and roll and really make it work because nobody fears the jump shot, right? Just, right. I'm going under that, so I'm not. I'm not sure how you make the whole thing work. It's just with your two best players kind of needing to be the same spot on the floor. I'm. I'm not. You know they're thinking it internally, but there's just no way they can bring themselves to make that trade yet. Who benefits the most from? Not winning a championship, because there's only one team in that conversation, maybe Denver, but still. It's not about who benefits the most to in the playoffs or anything like that. I'm just saying, as far as over the next two weeks, three weeks, into the All-Star break and after, which team in the four-team trade do you feel comfortable, most confident in winning the majority of their games now because of that trade? Well, winning the majority of their games, I mean... Is Denver, like, how much has Denver gotten significantly better, and has Houston really gotten better, or are they just kind of back to where they were before they lost a couple of wings in the offseason? Yeah, I, 
I think they got a sort of back closer to where they are, but they're now they're now I mean they're looking for a center out there, so we'll see who they land. But they're pretty heavily committed to the small ball. That's what Jordan Bell can bring you some minutes there as a small ball five. Um, obviously, PJ Tucker can play. As, they're going to play him as much as his knees will tolerate playing at the five, and they're they're going to you know I love that Mike D'Antoni as a lame duck coach is essentially going to get to go out on his terms, right? Like, all right, we're just going to go stupid small. We're going to go with this tiny lineup and be physical and shoot threes and drive, and we can get away with it with James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Um, Let me rephrase it. We can get away with that until the regular season ends. I I don't know. My my issue with what they're doing is simply that when you get to the postseason and their first round is going to be Utah or Denver or one of the Los Angeles teams, then all four of those teams are just too big. They're just too big, too long, especially the L.A. teams would just destroy them. They're both just – you have to see the Lakers in person because you don't really get it on TV. They're a freakishly long team. And the Sixers are kind of in the same boat. The Lakers are like that in person. It's kind of like, whoa. Well, except they shoot jump shots. Yeah, exactly. They've got got a few guys who can knock them down, too. And it's it's funny how much demand there is for that around the league right now. As the trade deadline comes up, it's suddenly like everybody's calling up saying, hey – you know, look, the, the um, Marcus Morris to the Clippers is a little bit hung up on the fact that the Clippers don't want to give up Landry Shamit, and the Knicks really want him. Like, it, of course, because Landry Shamit can shoot the rock, and everybody just needs guys who can shoot the rock. Yeah. All right, let's look at tonight. You mentioned the Clippers. They did not cover the opening line, or closing technically line, last time when they took on the Spurs. It was a nine-and-a-half point close, and they weren't close to that. And I wonder how much of that is reactionary because it's down to six and a half against the Heat. Clearly a better basketball team, but not so much on the road. Do you like the Clippers by seven, eight, nine points tonight or even more? I don't know. Miami's one of those tough teams to play against, right? Like they just come out and play hard. They, they, Jimmy Butler is so much a good part of what they want to do in terms of their core. Like I really like what they are. So. I, my guess would be no. I just I find the Clippers the hardest team in the league to predict night to night because they are fully capable of just destroying Miami. And Miami has I think they're what five and six and five in their last eleven something like that. They're, they're not playing as well, especially like you said on the road. Um, but the Clippers are fully capable of just kind of coasting through a game and kind of maybe winning by just enough because they get to the fourth quarter and they're like, oh, we should really focus. And by the way, we have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, so. Like they still they weirdly act like a championship team that's won two and is just trying to get through the regular season, even though they haven't won anything yet. Um, and so they become a really hard team to predict during the regular season. Where Miami, at least, at least I know Miami's going to go hard. So I, I would I would lean towards Miami, but I I just don't trust the Clippers. I just find them really hard to predict night to night. That's fair. How much does John Morant in Dallas not having Luka and the propensity to be playing down to some bad teams? Dallas favored by five at home. You like the Grizzlies to come in and, and shock? Maybe not the world, but maybe the Southwest? Yeah, I think they could. I like that. I like that idea. It becomes interesting because you've got, without Dwight Powell, you're now counting on Chris Stapps Porzingis to, to really protect the paint on Jaw and everybody who can drive there. But they, what's impressive is he can kick, and they've got guys who can shoot. And, you know, if, if, if the Memphis guys come out pretending like they're playing against Andre Iguodala, they'll destroy him. 
Yeah, what is it? Like, is he the most hated guy? If you look around in the entire NBA right now, and you look at every single team, is he the most hated by any player in their respective teammates? It'd be right up there, and I didn't really realize. I mean, outside of maybe Al Horford here in Philly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where. I'd rather have Al though. Um, they they uh, the weird thing is, like, look, this wasn't some secret. Like Andre Iguodala sat down with them before the season and said, "Hey, all right, let's work this out. I don't really, you don't need, want me here. I don't want to be here. Let's just work. I, you guys want to trade me and get value? Fine. I'll be working out in L.A. Uh, and, and doing some stuff." And everybody was cool with this until a few days ago. And suddenly, you know, look, the trade talk's heating up. Iguodala did what he should do, which is just try to leverage what little power he has to get to somewhere he really wants to be. Dallas is a team that gets mentioned a lot. He wants to go play for a contender, and Dallas is not that. Like, Dallas is a good team. They're a good up-and-coming team, but they are not getting out of the first round this year. Um, he doesn't necessarily want to go there, so he's trying to use leverage, and Memphis flipped out. Just their young guys are like, and you don't want to play with us. And I was, I was, I'm a little surprised by all of that. Um, I can, I get it in the sense that professional athletes use the slightest provocation <laughs> as, oh, he hates me, and they try to turn it into motivation. You know, Kobe and Jordan were like the best. They create straw man arguments and then and then get mad at them. So, like, you know, it's whatever works for you. But to me, like, I thought Andre Iguodala has pretty much been straightforward through this thing. Last one, Kurt. Who's got a better chance of an upset? Different scenario here, but Orlando's taking on Boston, who's down everybody but Jason Tatum. Meanwhile, the Pacers, with Victor Oladipo back, right, take on the Raptors tonight in Toronto. Yeah, the Pacers have not been. I mean, they've been winning some games, but Oladipo's shooting 25%. He just, I mean, I don't, I'm not knocking him. He just came back from this injury and, and just doesn't just not right yet. yet. Yeah, he's just he's just not all the way there. So I'll take Orlando. Orlando's one of those teams that's capable on a night. They, that said, they miss, especially against the banged up Celtics team. But they miss Jonathan Isaac something fierce. They're just they're just not the same team defensively without him. It's not close. Kurt, always appreciate you, man. And everybody, of course, will be following you and at Basketball Talk for like the one or two people listening right now who aren't following you. You're up there. We were talking about Jessica Alba earlier. She's got 9.1 million. You're over the million mark, right? Uh, a tad short of that. I think I'm pushing the 100,000 mark. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 I think I, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to admit that I think Jessica Alba has better legs than me. So. Um, I'll let that slide. Fair enough. Thank you, brother. (laughs) Take care, man. Kurt Heelan joining us on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline. The Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline. Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor, will clean up what we can on the big board next. Sip the juice. I got enough to go around. And the thought takes place uptown. I grew up on a sidewalk while on street talk and they taught the whole New York. I go to Queens for Queens to get the food from Brooklyn. Make money in Manhattan and never been taken. Go uptown to the Bronx and boogie down. Go strong on the island of Coopaleo. It's time to run through the nightly action. All things college to the pros to give you the most updated odds on games right before they start. From the biggest stars to the smallest schools, nothing escapes. 
the big board. What the hell is going on here? The roof is caving in in Butler. There's a delay right now. The Bulldogs were up 13 to 9, but it doesn't look like this thing's going to get fixed anytime soon. So early in the first half, and everything's on hold right now. It's trying to get in Villanova plus five in game. It's way too early to make any type of prediction, any type of statement on this basketball game, but the delay itself and that momentum established by Butler looks to be shot. At the same time, you're on the road, you're getting out there, you're behind, you're trying to get yourself into a rhythm, and your momentum is shut down. It looks like a banner fell from the top of the roof. This is really putting in-game betting here at a test for you. It's a five-point in-game line as soon as this thing resumes. Are you going to be bold enough to jump in on either side knowing that this is a very, very rare of a circumstance to happen? This is like the power going out in the Super Bowl, except it's not anywhere near the magnitude of the game that we're watching. It's just Butler Villanova. What the hell? What is going on here? When's the last time somebody checked those banners? This thing hurts Villanova. Nova had them right where they wanted. <laughs> we have to wait for this thing. Also, Iowa, Purdue, Creighton, Providence, West Virginia, Iowa State, all about to go down right now on the big board. And Michael Calabrese last night mentioned this, and I think that it's worth repeating, in the very least rehashing. But he gave you some metrics, some nice, smooth little metrics that were easy to digest about Iowa State right now and how susceptible a team like West Virginia can be on a double-digit line at home. Now, the over-under, if you want to flirt with that, go ahead at 143. But even the Ken Palm stats that you want to examine or any type of turnover differential how few turnovers you might get from Iowa State, the fact that they're okay playing that short, slow tempo, and they're not going to give West Virginia many opportunities with turnovers, buckets off of turnovers. I like that. That might be the play of the night there on the big board for ranked action in college basketball. Seton Hall, Georgetown's a tough one. Louisville, 15 and a half. You really want to play around with that one? 15 and a half. That's a large number hosting in-conference Wake. And then LSU, another one on the road at Vandy. It's a loud place. It's not a tough place this year, but it's a loud place at the very least to play 11 points on the road. Again, if you missed it, we're running with the Tansy Special. We identified before the start of the night, thanks to Joe Tansy, the lowest total and the highest total of the night. We teased him, five-point teaser, and went opposite. So an over, that low 101.5 total with Virginia and Clemson, and then that Houston Baptist game against uh, the Louisiana Southeastern, whatever. That game we teased up to 176.5 and went under. That 176.5 is insane. And I know we got burnt last night on the over with the Bucks game. I know. But this number, this total in its own right, is absolutely insulting if they go over that. Just rip up your ticket 
if they go over that. There's no way, right, they're going to go over Houston Baptist at Southeast Louisiana and let the bidding begin. Matt Peralt's going to join us. We have one of the odds. He's got pushing the odds. And we'll ask him about some college, some NBA, and some continued reaction to his Red Sox just departing from the Mookie Bet ship. Why? We'll find out next. What are the odds? Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. Here comes the pitch, and it comes in wide. On the count now is one and one to Jackie Robinson. Another manic depressant, adolescent stares at death. Now what's left when there ain't no God and a whole lot of pride? It might be a homicide, so let the drama slide. We don't want no problems, bitch. Get your name in the obituary column, shit. Cause life is too short and it just gets shorter. I wish I had a quarter for all my people they slaughter. Last year alone in the dead zone. Walk straight, but don't walk late. Cause I'm coming with a hate only made from what it made me. Cause nobody ever played me. Now it's only getting worse. Buckshot and ace in the land of the race. Kicking you in your face. We be doing it up Brooklyn style. Back on the air. Not us. Villanova and Butler. What is taking so long for this thing to reset? Here we go. Villanova plus five. I like the in-game play here. All right, so whatever the hell was the problem is solved now. And there's some in-game action that you can look at. Pittsburgh-Notre Dame. Notre Dame 32-26 up with about 440 left in the first half. That total is shifting a little bit. Also, as we're back in action here, Butler, that total at 132, Villanova's down 15-11, 30 in the first half. But remember, there was this delay that you'd think Villanova would be able to take advantage of. If you're paying attention, Georgia and Florida just underway. Iowa, West Virginia, that's a game we're going to keep our eye on. So there's something to look at. That. All right, looks like we're going to have to move on from Matt tonight. He's got a family issue, so no worries there. We will chat with Brandon Robinson coming up. But before that, looking around in-game, and mention, of course, the biggest problem that the XFL is going to run into, which is a fantastic idea. I just don't know how much it's going to transfer over. And Thursday night, there's a big game with the Sixers and Bucks, where after dealing with all the hype that we saw from the Zion Williamson, New Orleans Pelicans, and that game, clearly no problem whatsoever for Milwaukee to handle that. They'll be hosting the 76ers, and Milwaukee is cruising right now. You want to talk about a tale of two teams going the opposite direction. And it's unfortunate because opposite direction against the Bucks is basically everybody else in the East. But this is where we are right now. And heading into Thursday night, I don't know how, and there's a line out already, I, I don't know how you look at this and think that there's anything appealing for the Philadelphia 76ers. I, I just, I don't know it, I don't see it, I don't for the life of me understand 
how you can look ahead and think that tomorrow night you're going to get some, what, nine maybe if you're lucky? Yeah, nine. Thursday, 8-10 tip in Milwaukee, nine-point line. You don't even need a top three bets of the night. You don't need a big board running through or anything like that. Just look at this thing logically. Josh Richardson, all these injuries that they've been dealing with. Al Horford's upset. This is from Keith Pompey earlier in the day. This is how bad it is right now for the Philadelphia 76ers. Pompey asked Joel Embiid straight up if players are still listening to Brett Brown. This is what the interchange exchange Interchange, I guess, would be you going from one highway to another. This would be the exchange. Trying to do way too many things at once, and my arms don't reach like Mr. Fantastic. This is how it sounded. Keith Pompey to Joel Embiid. Yo, people still listening to this guy? You know, Brett Brown, your coach. So are y'all still listening to Brett? Yeah, uh, obviously that needs to be, you know, we haven't been... Winning, um, our offense has not been good. But I always say, uh, you know, coaches I know how they make shots for us. They don't make plays. Uh, you know, they could they can do a better job. You know, of uh, you know setting everything up. Um, but at the end of the day, we make the plays. Uh, and like I say, from time to time, you know, you don't know what you're getting. I don't know if I'm going into the game and if I'm getting the ball or not. But that should never affect anything. Uh, like I said, it starts on defense, and we still got to do our job, and even if it's, you know, not getting the ball some nights, and, you know, you still got to go hard. You still got to go out and play hard. Uh, I mean, that's frustrating. All around, it's really frustrating because the 76ers are clearly dealing with some internal problems where Joel Embiid is beyond frustrated and the fans are frustrated, and clearly it's visible on the floor. 2016, Butler, they just had to go up for at the 10-minute mark. The Sixers are in a lot of trouble. And it's not so much like, hey, they're going to finish out of the playoffs. They're not in danger of anything that bad happening. But the head coach is all but gone. One of the two star players is frustrated to the limit right now. You just heard that guy. Players, it's not on Brett Brown. He realizes Brett Brown's mortality is cooked and that you're not going to get Brett Brown after this year. That might mean somebody coming in and saying, look, Joel Embiid, fantastic, but we can't roll with this pro-first Embiid thing. we got to go with this Joe, this Ben Simmons first thing. Whatever it is, when there's a new boss that comes into your job or your industry, people start looking around. Are we going to get kept? What's going to happen? It's going to be blow up. And I think Joel Embiid has a very strong connection to the city via real life and social media. I think he has a strong connection to that building, that fan base, the process that got he and others here. Yeah, I think that there is a level of frustration that this whole thing could be coming to an end, at least as he's known it and as he's seen it. Doesn't mean that he's going to be dealt anytime soon. It just means that things might be changing on the surface, and the first way you can tangibly see that would be a new head coach, which is why I'd love the box tomorrow night. 
And it could be an obvious play. It could be a chalk play. It could be too easy. Yeah, in-game, maybe you can get Milwaukee at minus three or four, depending on any run the Sixers have. Shander, come on. Oh, okay, slow down. We're talking about jumping in on something a day before. If it changes drastically, if this thing goes up to ten and a half before the tip, then yeah, either take the Sixers or stay the hell away from it. But where we sit right now, that's a pretty appetizing bet, enticing bet. That's something that I could easily sink my teeth into, chew it up a couple of times, look back and say, I recommend this bite. Kirk Douglas has died. Is this new? Did he just die? Man, or did he die earlier today? And the power of Kirk still trends. That's uh, terrible. He's been around for a long time. At Shander Shows, hey, get me on Twitter. What are the odds? Presented by Cure Auto Insurance. We're live on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Shander Show. Facebook as well. Just look it up. Aton Shander. A couple of people weighing in online about the Philadelphia 76ers, the debacle that's coming down to trade this guy, trade that guy. I'm just looking at how I can take advantage of this. I'm looking right now, 2019 Butler as we speak, narrowing that gap. Also, let's look ahead and get an in-game view on what's happening with that West Virginia game. I'm just trying to think, how can I take advantage of the Philadelphia 76ers' misery right now? As a fan, I want this thing fixed. I'm also realistic, and you can read the piece in Philly Voice, phillyvoice.com, where I lay out exactly why having any type of hope that Brett Brown will be around after this year is a pipe dream and why the Sixers are better off not making a trade. That all aside from where we are right now, it's not about the trade so much as it is about... The Philadelphia 76ers from a betting standpoint. 15 minute mark, Iowa State trailing West Virginia 15 to 6. Remember, that was a 10.5 point line. Oof, that thing's probably going to hover. I don't know if you're going to find much in game value with West Virginia at that point until they just let up a little bit. Maybe Iowa State can close this thing at like the 8 or 9 minute mark. But as you stand right now, West Virginia might even extend this a little bit, as they just did, 17-6. to So the in-game value is working against you. Meanwhile, we'll just keep riding this Butler-Villanova game right at the break. Again, if you notice what I'm doing here, and there is a pattern, we can find universal stops in games. We can find times in which everybody is focused on the same thing. And look at those numbers, those totals, that money line as an indicator of where the game is in-game. Sometimes it's tough. We're talking about a basketball game here. Now it's 22-19. Things change all the time, right? As do odds, in-game perspective. That all changes rapidly. But there are moments in a game where everything is stopped. And everybody's focused on the same number. Everybody's focused on that same total. And that's where you can actually extrapolate some value here or look if it's a bad beat or just a crazy finish. And the easiest example we had to start the week was the in-game total at the half of the Super Bowl. That thing was at 46.5 when it dropped 10-10 at the half. 
And yes, I get it. We're all watching Shakira and J-Lo, and it was a hell of a halftime performance, 22-21. You see how this thing moves? This is not a stoppage. I'll explain what that is, the difference. So while everybody was in awe and their jaws were open, you still had your app out. You were still looking at the game. There was no movement of the game. It was an extended halftime, as they always are in the Super Bowl. So you could jump in and you could take advantage of that. You didn't have to worry about it so much changing. And then you look and see that end, that didn't threaten the 54 or the 53 and a half. That touchdown didn't threaten that, even at 55, where it was for like a blip. It threatened the in-game total at the half. And it was a number that you can go back and reference because everybody who was betting and had an eye on that total, either at the start of the game, at the end of the first quarter, and especially at the end of two, knew what that touchdown meant. And that's why there wasn't an issue, for me at least, that stupid call about how Williams should have hit the deck. That touchdown was gigantic for a lot of people one or the other, doesn't matter. You either took the over or the under, but a lot of people had the opportunity to look at that. Same thing here, except, of course, the magnitude of the game is different. There's a timeout on the floor, and Villanova is now up 27-22. to 22. At one point, and again, you go back to a universal stoppage. It might even be a TV timeout. It's not always the same, right? It could be you taking advantage of a quick stoppage, a timeout, quick timeout. Butler calls timeout. All right, let me see. Now there's a stop. There's enough time to breathe. But when there's something big, when there's something that either is big from taking up time or simply an event that you're not normally accustomed to seeing, that's where you can jump in and go back to this. Look, I got Nova at plus five because that stupid banner or tarp came down and the people in Butler had no idea what the hell to do. So there was a delay in the first half, and Butler was up four, and that thing shifted in-game. That thing shifted to now a five-point swing, and I don't know how this delay is going to impact or have any true long-lasting effect once you hit the half, but it might be enough to give Villanova a lead. It might be enough to say, stop whatever the hell Butler was doing, coming out on that run and putting themselves in a pretty good position to extend that run already up for how much can you extend this at home, the crowd's into it, and all of a sudden the roof comes apart. Technically, it was a banner that came down. That stopped a lot of things. That shut a lot of things down. For as momentum, as well as clearly whatever the hell Butler established. What could you think of as far as these moments where you can take advantage of numbers shifting, yet the game stops. Because that's one thing you can identify. in. This is all in-game. This is all in-game. But th- that's the first thing I thought of. We have a moment here in a game, a stoppage, a delay. Teams, doesn't matter who your coach is, Jay Wright, it doesn't matter what's going on. You're not used to that. That's an anomaly. That's something that may not happen the rest of these guys' collective careers, even if you look at anybody playing tonight that might be in the NBA. Still, same thing, ride it out. So yeah, from a momentum standpoint, five points. If we thought two and a half, or if you're listening to the Daily Ticket, 
It moved to three with Sean Brace. If we all, and I think all of us did, right, even Michael Calabrese the night before thought Nova was the play at two and a half, then five in-game when you're only down four and that thing happens? This wasn't even riding momentum. This wasn't even trying to counter a wave that we saw from Butler. It was a banner fell down. Okay, now what? Well, these kids are sitting there resting on a four-point lead. I don't trust it. Villanova is well-coached, and they've outscored Butler 16-4 to in the last six minutes. Game time last six minutes. And you know what? That's exactly where we were six minutes ago when that stupid banner fell. So this thing is just getting going, and we'll chat with Brandon Robinson, Scoop Robinson, coming up in nine minutes about some stuff in the NBA as Kurt Heelan gave some good value about that Clippers heat game when he joined us. But as we continue to keep an eye on some in-game action here, West Virginia, as we've crossed over into the 11-minute mark, it's still hovering. There's an official TV timeout, 11.26 left in the first. West Virginia, 23-11 over visiting Iowa State. The time to play Iowa State, at this point it might just be getting worse and worse. Granted, you're going to get some value here, but it's not going to be the one that I think you like. It's not going to be the one that I think is going to make you feel better about taking it. In fact, it's going to be around 12, right where that lead is. I don't trust it. West Virginia is too difficult to trim that type of spread. In fact, you're more likely to lose by 14-16 than you are by 10 at this point in the game. Mustering up 11 points at the 11-minute mark against the West Virginia team that is known for putting the clamps on pretty much everybody, that's a bad combo. That's not one I'm willing to ride by any means. We'll see if, in fact, we can get any value from that tansy teaser. NBA, first quarter, not sure if you took the under in the first quarter between the Suns and Pistons, but man, this one right here, 23-20, you talk about a suffering through this game, 23-20, 5-14 left, in-game line is shifting slowly, but it's shifting to two points, that Notre Dame-Pittsburgh game getting a little closer, Notre Dame up, 39-33 as you're about to hit the half. The line, in-game line, has moved to 10.5 now. Not a terrible play. Pittsburgh down 6, and I'm on DraftKings now. You can get them plus 10.5 at minus 108. If you're really bold, they're plus 510 on the money line. Oh, man. Villanova now, up 5, is plus 107 on the money line. I jumped in. It's placing my bet as we speak. You see? This is real-life stuff right here. Just took them plus 107 to win the game outright. Nova actually playing better than I thought following that break. And here we go. Virginia-Clemson underway. I took the Tansy Teaser. We took the lowest total and the highest total on the board before the action began. We teased it five points. I say we, meaning the show, not Joe. I went under, pardon me, under the total of 176.5 and over the tease total of 101.5. Now that 101.5 was teased down. That's Virginia Clemson. 13-minute mark, Clemson scored two points. 
It's 11-2. to two. I've watched, I know I, in my life, I've watched middle school basketball that's better than this. How two points, I'm sorry, Virginia's defense isn't that good. This is despicable. 13 total points with nearly seven minutes off the clock in a Division I college basketball game. How is that humanly possible? How can that be a reality for anybody? I'm sorry, but I, I do not accept that. Maybe my app needs to refresh. Maybe I'm behind here. Hopefully, this thing needs to just reset. You know, sometimes you just have to close out and go back in. There's nothing that I can reasonably wrap my head around to say that Clemson's not going to be able to pull their way out of this tailspin. And this isn't even a tailspin. All right, here we go. Now we go. Now we go. 14-7. Here we go. We start to move a little bit. Boy, I wonder, you know, what are the odds Clemson wins this game outright? 600 right now on the money line. Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance, at Shander Show is how you get me on Twitter, twitch.tv slash Shander Show. You can follow along on Facebook as well. Butler back and up top, but keeping an eye here on this total, 14-7, to 9.38 left in the first half. Virginia leads Clemson. How bold are you right now to take Clemson at plus now 575 on the money line? And speaking of which, I was just so wrapped up in the insight handed down by Kurt Heelan as he joined us an hour ago. He convinced me to take the Memphis Grizzlies. But here's the thing. I think I convinced him and then he reassured me. I think that's what happened. I convinced him because it's not his money, of course. And then he turned around and reassured me. And as predicted, West Virginia up 28-16 over Iowa State. 9.30 left in the first as play is resumed. And it's going to be tough for Iowa State to really trim this thing significantly to get some value. If you really want to see some value, how about Purdue up 30-18 to right now over Iowa? You think this thing's going to shift at all? You think there's a change of momentum coming at all here? 30 to 16, Iowa is now plus 510 on the money line. Ooh, plus 650. Come on. Why not? Why not? Let's take a flyer together. I don't want you to do this alone. I don't want you to be the only person out there that says, you know, here we are, Shander Show. We get it. You place bets like we place bets, but you told us specifically that down 33-18 to with nine minutes left in the first that we should go ahead and take Iowa on the money line. Where were you? Because I'll have a couple of days off. Wow, 36-18, to I can get them at plus 1050 on the money line. You know what? It's locked. We're in. We're in. 36-18, just took Iowa at plus 10.50 on the money line. Number 17, Iowa. Man, I have nobody to blame but me. You have nobody to blame but me. We expect a turnaround. We expect Iowa to kind of turn things up, ratchet it up a little bit in the second half. And it's a money line play at this point, so they're going to have to trim this lead down. It's college. They're down 20 right now. I should shut up. 
The more I look at this game, the more I speak on this game, it's actually getting worse. The odds have now dropped to plus 1,400. Wow, Purdue is minus 10,000 right now on the money line. What the hell did we just do? I just blacked out. What the hell just happened? NBA trade deadline. There's action right now as we speak going on on the floor, but there's some games of value about to tip off, especially coming up in an hour or two. Brandon Robinson, Scoop Robinson has the pulse of the NBA right under his thumb. So beyond just some big picture stuff about trade deadline and any more action that might happen, we'll go ahead and look at the scoreboard tonight and see if there's any real value jumping in. That Boston game intrigues me. It does. Especially because the Celtics are down so many guys and Orlando is sneaky good at top. Spotty, that's probably a better term. Orlando is spotty good. 39-18, 801 in the first half. Iowa dealing with what could be a major upset or near historic comeback for them. I don't know what's going to be worse. We'll see. We'll have to wait until we get out of here. To make matters worse, of course, now it's still early, but 333 left in the first. Butler has regained the lead and up six, 33 to 27. More in-game looks. Pistons up 30-28 over the visiting Suns. That game, only thing going on right now, and they're just about to end the first quarter. Scoop Robinson joins us next. What are the odds? Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. Who's the big winner? Everybody loses. You win some, you lose some. Winner! Bad, Danny. Not good at all. That's a nice saying for feeling better about losing. You're still a winner. But here's a phrase that's only ever been associated with winners. Hit me! Alexa, play Fox Sports Radio The Gambler on iHeartRadio. Immediate win every time. You always think that you're going to win. Philly's new home for Fox Sports Radio is The Gambler. All right, let's go out to the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline, Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor. As we mentioned, there's a lot going on, not only tonight, and of course here in Philadelphia, watching from afar tomorrow night down in Milwaukee, but with things happening in and around the league, the trade deadline, rumors, constant movement that could be or doesn't happen, and One of the guys who has not just one, but two, both ears to the street, the pulse of the NBA, Brandon Scoopy Robinson. You can follow him on Twitter, at Scoopy, Aton Shander, Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler. Scoop, what's happening, brother? I'm tired. I'll be glad when Thursday at 3 p.m. hits. How about you? Oh, come on. This is the Super Bowl for you, man. Come on. You should be ready for this. This, You're somebody we go to when it comes. You can't afford to be tired. I'm tired, but you know what? I could have been anywhere in the world, and I'm living my passion and my dream, so I will not. I promise you, I will not complain. Fair enough. All right, let's start with the obvious, the big one, the four-team trade. Who walks away feeling the best? Not even necessarily the best team on this whole thing, but who feels the best after this trade is done of the four-team scoop? Um, I'm still on the fence, uh, only because uh, literally Houston gave up a lot, uh, but when you really think about it, they got smaller. Offensively, their center is... Now six foot five, and that's today's NBA. It seems it feels more like the NBA is Division three basketball than it is, you know, Division one with you know big time centers. But 
I kind of give that trade an incomplete because I don't think the Houston Rockets are done. They've cleared up cap space. If I'm not mistaken, and my, my calculations are they've, I think, $2.2 million is cleared up in the mid-level exception. The Rockets are either going to make a trade or sign someone in the next 24 to 36 hours. So it's going to be interesting, but right now I have to give that trade an incomplete because uh, there are a lot more moving pieces that are, that are definitely going to happen. Well, okay, let's look at it from Houston's standpoint then. A trade that's made or a move that's made by Houston, how much better are they going to be? And I know that that move still has to be made, but you can kind of put some sense of barrier up to know that it's not going to be a crazy deal, it's not going to be a minuscule deal. So how much better do you honestly think Houston will be after these two moves? The move that just happened and whatever the expected move is. Well... I think from a perspective of passing the basketball around, I definitely think um, that the Houston Rockets uh, have no shortage of guys like James Harden and Russell Westbrook uh, who can score at will. Um, When you look at the trade, uh, basically uh, the Houston Rockets did give up Nene, um, who was hurt. Um, You did give up um, Clint Capella, who um, Robert Ory once told me, uh, everybody says they want to get max money, and to me, he's not a max player. They didn't really give up much um, because I think in the grand scheme of things, Clint Capella becomes a screen and roll, um, a guy, a guy that if James Harden you know, is, is caught in a double team, he can lob the ball. Uh, but the thing is, uh, the Houston Rockets literally did give up, not only Clint Capella and Nene, they did also give up uh, Gerald Green, and a first-round pick for Robert Covington. You know who Robert Covington is well, the former 76er. He can do a lot. He was in that trade that ended up bringing Jimmy Butler to Philadelphia. Um, but like I said, um, I think that if the Rockets are looking to clear up cap space, um, there's been talk that Andre Drummond could find his way to Houston within the next 36, 24 to 36 hours. There's a lot that just goes into um, that trade. Uh, Minnesota is looking to clear cap space. Ultimately, they are looking uh, to find a way to get D'Angelo Russell uh, to Minnesota. But the thing is, the New York Knicks have been in uh, the Golden State Warriors' ear. Uh, and so I just think there are a lot of moving parts that go into it. Atlanta also wins, to be honest with you. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about that. Uh, Atlanta had been making calls. They were trying to get anybody from Mobamba. Uh, there was talk um, that had that trade involved the Golden State Warriors, um, there were some other pieces that could have been moved. But ultimately, if I had to pick one winner, another noncommittal, I would say it's Atlanta because I think Atlanta is building for the future. They are a couple pieces away, an all-star away of doing something great. Uh, But right now I think Houston is clearing cap space, and I think they're looking to make one more big move before the trade deadline on Thursday. At Scoop B, branded Scoop B Robinson, joining us on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline. Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor. The man is everywhere, so just get on there. I don't have time to list all the things you're doing, so I'm just going to direct people to your Twitter account. Or maybe I could sprinkle each rejoin. You know, NBC one time, CBS another time. I know you're working with Heavy now, right? At Heavy Sand out west, heavy.com. So the grind doesn't stop for you, bro. No, well, Heavy.com as a senior writer, and then the Scoop B Radio podcast. Uh, 2.1 million streams last year for anybody from uh, Jamal Crawford to Charles Barkley. Be looking out for Jamal Crawford wow. as well once the trade deadline goes down. But, yeah, that's it, man.
All right, so I'm going to ask you a question, point blank. You have one move, and you can do whatever the hell you want. Joshua Harris has come to you, Scoop B, and said, Look, man, I've been trying to figure this thing out. Elton can't. Sam Hinkie didn't. Brett Brown can't. Joel hates Al Horford. And Ben Simmons is in love for the fifth time, sixth time after getting cheated on. You have one thing. You can do whatever you want, but you can only do one thing. What's the first thing? And it could be a, a multi-stage move if you want, like fire or trade somebody, bring somebody back in. But what's the one-slash-first thing you do to fix the Philadelphia 76? Find a way to go back in time and get J.J. Redick back because chemistry has been an Achilles heel for the 76ers all season. Um, When you look at the 76ers this season, there's a lot of guys who have to share the basketball, but you need a guy that's a role guy that that can find a way to bring these guys together. You would think it would be Tobias Harris. I like Tobias very much, but J.J. gets a level of respect. Um, that I think um, those guys in the locker room uh, like, and I think that's why um, he has he has the ear of that New Orleans Pelicans locker room right now. If I had to go back in time, I would have found a way to find to, to resign JJ Redick. Man, I mean, it's crazy that Redick and Covington, two guys that were already here, were at the forefront and the top of names and realistic targets that the Sixers could bring back. And it it just seems like a total indictment of the front office, no matter who's in charge, that guys were here, they left, and they couldn't find anybody better from a fit standpoint. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I spoke with um, Tobias Harris about a week ago. Um, and we talked about chemistry, and we talked about um, the ability to, you know, finish it out. And, and, and I asked him who he thought their biggest competition was. This is with one J, uh, Tobias Harris, and he told me that he feels that, you know, they're their biggest competition, um, and that, you know, while they respect the Milwaukee's, the Boston's, the, the, the what have you, Philadelphia, their their own worst enemy is them, and they got to find a way to get it done. And you know, you, you hope that they get it done, but it's still a very long season. I know that there's been chance about firing Brett Brown. Uh, maybe you need to dig back into the trust of the, the process uh, 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 regime. But, um, you know, that he basically told me that uh, pretty much everybody who's in front of us is their biggest competition. And he told me, truth be told, our biggest competitors are ourselves, just figuring out, getting healthy, being a full throttle, ready to play as we get close to the All-Star break. So, it's a long season, but I know Sixers fans are frustrated right now. Absolutely. And I don't know if they fall into this category to try to put maybe a positive spin on it, but Indiana clearly hasn't looked like what we thought, and it's such a small sample size, right, since Victor Oladipo has returned. I don't know if you can count Brooklyn and Orlando since there is a gap between those two teams and the 5-6. And then the West, it's just a different conversation, of course, because you have the two L.A. teams and then everybody else. But of the Rockets through Grizzlies and the West and the Pacers through Magic in the East. Who's the most dangerous team that would start on the road right now in the playoffs? The, the Portland Trailblazers. Without a doubt. I think when you look at what Damian Lillard and, and is able to do, if you really look at the beginning of the, the, the Blazers' this season, they, season, they were hurt. I mean, you still have Yusuf Nurkic, excuse me, who's, who's hurt and hasn't come back yet. You're starting five once everybody's healthy is legitimately uh, Lehigh, Kyle Dizone, C.J. McCollum at the two-guard position. You have Damian Lillard at the one. You have Carmelo Anthony at the three, Hassan Whiteside at the four, and Nurkic at the five. I don't know about you, but that's a 2K player's dream. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a very fair way to put it, by all means. And then coming off the bench, you have a defensive stopper in Trevor Ariza. If I'm the Western Conference, I'm a little worried about the Portland Trailblazers. They are 23 and 28 right now, six and four in their last ten. Uh, but to be honest with you, we're talking about a Portland Trailblazers team who was at one point behind the Phoenix Suns, who are now in 11th and have lost uh, three straight. You know, they had Aiden and those guys, but. You know, even the Minnesota Timberwolves started out hot. You know, once February and March hits, you get to see who the men are, the men are amongst boys. We knew what the Lakers and the Clippers can do. The Lakers are 30, 38 and 11. But then we knew that the Jazz were going to be a threat. We knew that the Nuggets, I believe that America began to know, or the nation at large and across the world, knew what the Nuggets could do in the playoffs last year. And, you know, they fortified some pieces uh, in this trade yesterday. So, you know, you look at Houston – they're, you know, it's a wait-and-see attitude. Dallas, I think you know Houston and Dallas, when it comes down to the playoff time, they may be up or down. But I think Portland is playing beneath their privilege right now, and a lot of it has to do with injuries. I mean, this is a team that went to the Western Conference and played the eventual Western Conference, uh, you know, champion, the, you know, the Golden State Warriors. So adding Melo, coming back from injury, and Yusuf Nurkic in particular, uh, finding his way back after the All-Star break, Portland's going to be a problem. Yeah, man, it's a really great layout of Damian Lillard and and the impact he can have night in and night out. Let's look at this from a betting perspective, from a future standpoint. Scoopy joining us on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline. Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor. What's more likely to happen? Giannis doesn't win the MVP or the Bucks win the championship. What's more likely to happen? Correct. Somebody else other than Giannis wins the MVP or the Bucks win the championship. The Bucks win the championship. Why is that? So let me make sure I have your question right. You know I'm on like three, four hours of sleep. You no, no, no. And, and you've dealt with me to know that it, if there's a miscommunication, <laughs> it's going to be on me. Okay. Ask me the question one more time so I know we're on the same page. Okay, so let's look at this, right? The futures are out, and Giannis is the stone-cold favorite to win the MVP. At the same okay. time, the Bucks, although they could be up there, I, I think it, there's a general belief it's going to be one of the L.A. teams to happen. So those are the two favorite things right now, which is Giannis has the MVP locked, and it's going to be one of the Lakers or Clippers teams to win the championship. So okay. which one of those scenarios is... Most li- or more likely not to happen, meaning it's not going to be Giannis winning the MVP, or it will be the Bucks winning the championship, not the LA teams. Oh, okay, I think the the Bucks not likely to win the championship. I think I think um, Giannis Antetokounmpo is playing great basketball, but I also do think um, that the Lakers and the Clippers uh, will likely win the Western Conference, um, as well as win the win the championship this season. The one thing that I like about the Lakers, you know, I've had the post of what's been going on with the Lakers the last couple of years. Uh, The thing that I can say about that team at large is uh, their chemistry is everything. Um, When I look at the Clippers, chemistry and the fact that that, that, uh, Kawhi Leonard is a solid assassin, um, I think Giannis Antetokounmpo lights out, proved that he was the league's MVP back in December uh, when the when the Bucks took care of business against the Lakers before Christmas. Uh, and the only other person that I think is legitimately the NBA's MVP is LeBron James or Anthony Davis. It's not a, a, an award that we talk about a lot as far as legacy. It's definitely not going to be thrown in there with MVP or finals MVP. But I'm curious 
from where you stand right now, at Scoopy, of course, Brandon Scoopy Robinson joining us on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline. Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor. Comeback player of the year. Because that's always surrounding a really cool story. And we're far enough into the NBA season right now, Scoop, where you can kind of identify two or three cool stories that would be rewarded with that award. Two underrated stories would be John Morant. One, and the fact that not only has he been um, consistent and proved a lot of people wrong since the NCAA tournament, uh, but he's leading a team without Andre Iguodala uh, playing uh, to a successful season thus far. Um, the second story would probably be the success of the, the, the Toronto Raptors without yeah. Kyle Leonard, currently sitting at 36-14 and 14 and have won 11 straight. Uh, Pascal Siakam has been playing lights out, and to be honest with you, watching Pascal Siakam playing in Toronto reminds me a lot of Scotty Pippen the year after the, after Michael Jordan retired the first time, and they went toe-to-toe with the New York Knicks, and I think lost in the semifinals in 94. Um, Scotty, I think, was averaging 23 points that year, 22 or 23 points. Uh, don't sue me if I'm a point or so off. I know this show is numbers-based, but what I will say is uh, I, I talked to Scotty about this last season, and one thing Scotty said to me was, um, you know, he was kind of happy when, when Michael retired because he got to show off, you know, the type of player that he was and he knew he could be. So when I look at Siakam, I see a mirroring re- resemblance to when Scotty took over that Bulls team when Michael retired. Awesome, brother. I appreciate the time. As always, the insight looking ahead to the playoffs, MVP, and even Thursday night. And on your way out, just give us the shortened three hours of sleep Scoop B take on this whole thing. But there's no way the Sixers cover that big nine-point line tomorrow night in Milwaukee as bad as they've been playing, right? It's going to be tough, man. But but stranger things have happened. I didn't expect the uh, the Blazers to beat the Lakers on Friday night, and they definitely took care of business in memory of Kobe in L.A. So it's going to be tough. Uh, but Milwaukee, to me, has always been one of my favorites in the Eastern Conference. As much as people pay attention to the Sixers and think they're going to the finals, I do have the Bucks pegged as my Eastern Conference choice. Uh, so I'm going to stick with that that spirit of, of, of Bucks, And I, I do think the Bucks uh, will take care of business tomorrow. Get some sleep. Hopefully, jerk radio hosts like me won't bother you for at least like another eight or ten hours. Man, it's always a pleasure. You make it easy, except for me not understanding your question. But we're going to make it work. I look forward to talking to you next time. That's normal. You should be used to this by now with me. (laughs) Scoop, I love you, brother. Thank you for the time. My man, I'll talk to you soon. You got it, Scoopy, on Twitter. Brandon Scoopy Robinson joining us on the Dr. Glad Regrow Your Hairline. Dr. Paul Glad, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor. We'll look in game, not only in college, but the NBA before we get out of here. Coming up.